1987. Greetings, everybody out there in Dreamland. This is Rumors of War with my series, Know the Enemy. This time, the subject matter is going to be about the insect aliens, the insectoids, the mantis men, and the old, well, it's kind of difficult, I was going to say ultra-terrestrials, crypto-terrestrials, Aliens of unknown origin that we have encountered in our discovery of the subject matter when it comes to uh, Earth's combined knowledge. It's it's you know um, the knowledge that the elites and masters uh, possess and suppress, and that I'm trying to channel and relay to you. The common people. I give it to you, the people. Yes. This subject is going to be focused primarily on the Manismen and their relationship to us and our relationship to them. But I'm also trying to cover a number of naturally occurring intelligent life forms that are non-humanoid for the most part and I guess that would be the umbrella definition of all these that they're non-humanoid so let's begin mankind first encountered intelligent life forms not of the human race when we started discovering cavern systems under European major cities such as Paris uh, the island of Malta um, Hamburg I believe a few others including London, um, Barcelona, and Kiev being uh, immediately uh, come to mind. But these cavern systems were very large, they were very deep, and they were very complex. Their environments were completely unknown to us, and their discovery revolutionized our understanding of the interior of our world. With new environments comes the creation of new life forms. And a new creation of new life forms comes the creation of new intelligent life forms. Whose biologies would not be ours of the surface world, but be theirs of their subterranean domain. Their unknown uh, frontier domain. As we built our cities, as we busied ourselves, arising from the Great Reset... themselves busied themselves were busied with the creation of their civilizations and their sciences and their intelligence and intellect garnered by their necessities and circumstances they arose a sophisticated complex formidable Creature, a species that existed outside of the human race and outside the human race's authority and competed for the earth with us. The majority of the human species 
was not aware that they even existed and only a few suspected that such confrontation was going to be the hallmark of the 19th, the 20th, and the 21st centuries. Soft disclosure has been attempted many times and it is a current prevalent agenda of the Illuminati and harvesting vril through tantalization, excitation, and allure of the truth. Our first encounter officially outside of explorative circumstances was when the British Empire tried to colonize the Antarctic and they were bringing expeditions down there to the South Polar region. They encountered intelligent creatures that had insect-like encephalopod-like characteristics displayed a intelligence greater and and magnitude than any known or encountered a wild animal in existence and they were able to formulate uh, to discover societies structures vehicles tools medical practices and facilities and a culture and society and sophistication akin to any human civilization they were engaged in open hostilities almost immediately these creatures had technology and used it in war fighting stratagems in defense of their civilizations much akin to us and our strategies and thus we understood through war through the experience of war with them that they were not fighting purely out of instinct to survive or to uh, attack but they were fighting with stratagems in mind with objectives with priorities and with experience the second type of species that we discovered was discovered in the dense forests of the North American continent of northern Canada they existed as a type of crustacean and they existed with reptilian features as well it was an entirely unknown biology and the discovery of them and the remoteness of them was instantly quarantined by the United States military where they were willing to study and examine them they did not appear to have vehicles or technology of their own a third type was discovered in the mountains of Antarctica along with the discovery of the first type of ultra terrestrial these also had vehicles and during the engagements that we were experienced that the British they are we as a human be- uh, species but the British Empire specifically was engaging with uh, the first type that they had discovered 
the second type was also present in the first type's ranks and was engaged in hostilities with them as well. We had stumbled upon an existing conflict between the two and were able to exploit that existing conflict and using technologies there to uh, for uh, very developed and very advanced for their time such as rockets and um, self, self-guiding artillery shells that they were able to destroy these these vehicles and these 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 war fighting entities in the first type and collect significant amount of data on the third type this had secured the british empire the victory in that situation problem with our sound our ambient soundtrack but yes this third type was identified at first as a radial type of amalgamation hybrid creature a chimera if you were and it didn't seem to have a natural origin no real um ability to have it come from the earth naturally so this was identified later through study of captured specimens to be entirely because the life form itself was a parasitic fungal creature that resembled more a starfish and than anything else that had regenerative properties and the way it, it it bred in the way that it's, it continued its species was that it would parasite a, um, off of creatures in the subterranean cavern, which it had evolved in the mountain ranges of Antarctica. And each creature it could successfully uh, infect, it could gain the knowledge of that creature. And over generations thousands of generations of uh, infecting many multiple life forms it had arisen from a creature that was ultimately unintelligent and existed through the basic instincts shared by all creatures especially those as basic as a fungal type of marine organism that existed like a, a marine uh like a starfish um simply searching out prey and hosts to something that could develop and create um architecture and understood mechanical engineering and understood electric electronics and understood um, um species as well um as as it did seemingly being possessed of a greater more sophistication and intelligence than its original and true nature would suggest we started finding colonies of these creatures and uh, colonies of these creatures in areas that were un, um, 
unconnected to the Antarctic mountain range, suggesting that they were traveling and that they were expanding in search of newer hosts. We would find crashed vehicles of theirs, suggesting that they had mastered flight, suggesting that the area that they could cover on the Earth's surface was far greater than expected, suggesting that they were having the capabilities to create manufacturing and higher engineering and exacting higher engineering standards to their original designs and, you know, of course, developing um, the necessities to colonize and thus must have intelligently understood the act of colonization as an act of competition, as an act of control over territory, as an act of enforcing one's uh, dominion over a terrain this would bring us into a shadow war with these creatures where we would search out and destroy them and they would use chimera type super soldiers to do so they would use soldiers with reptilian DNA they would use soldiers with psychic abilities having uh, been uh, studied in the arts of real or the arts of the Ashtar High Commands uh, psychic war we would track them out and destroy them and we waged a genocidal campaign against them for years until we were realizing that as we waged a war against them in secret they were waging a war of infiltration on our species in secret without our understanding that it was happening until its effects were fully um, fully experienced and it was undoubtable that they were suggesting that a number of years had gone by that this was the process we were still we were still questioning whether or not the mass awakening that was happening in the culture at the time the psychic ramifications of this encounter the the waves that ringed around the impact point of this experience like a rock thrown into a still lake whether or not it was part of their psychic war against us whether or not it was mankind's innate psychic abilities tuning into the conflict tuning into the disruption of our our unknown universe or whether or not it was a type of hive mind effect and the hive mind effect may have been a mimetic because we had suggested that the speed the third type species operated off a hive mind effect now if you think of ants yes they are a hive species but each ant is ultimately very independent but it's connected through a group biology not a group psyche a group biology where they are enslaved by their own bodies to perform the tasks of roles that they were born to fulfill but each species of insect is different and even though ants are capable of a hive mind does not mean every insect is operating on a hive mind and even though ants are a hive species 
colony species does not mean every insect is a type of colony species. And that's the idea of the difference between Earth-developed species, intelligent species. If you can consider the difference between arachnids and anthropods, then you can understand the significance between the development of these intelligent species and sharing the same Earth. Insects are not always small, though, and in the Brazilian jungles, we started discovering larger, more formidable social and colonial-type insects. These insects would be our first discovery of what we would call the insectalians or the insectoids. It was soon after the discovery of the first of the mega insects, the insects that were as large as the prehistoric versions of themselves that were in common knowledge because of the enriched oxygen and the heightened radiation left behind in the jungle, in the ruins of Meso- Mesoic, um, Mesoameric uh, Indian tribes who had achieved uh, space programs themselves and then left the area. So we thought they were mutations, we thought they were aberrations, and we found dinosaur-sized ones. We found massive ones, larger than most known terrestrial organisms, larger. And and what disturbed us the most about these discoveries was that they were extremely well-evolved, and they were very... Most of them were predatory. There were a few herbivores, but the majority of the species that we discovered were predatory. There was something else, though, that we discovered in those jungles, in the jungles of the Amazon, and that was what we would call the enemy, what we would call the Dagon. This is extremely traumatic for me because most of my experiences in simulated virtual reality combat, I hope, it was virtual reality combat. It could have been piloting clones spiritually was against this thing we call the great enemy the enemy it was also called the ancient and it was also called the dagon it was also called the leviathan i remember we called it leviathan because it was weaker than god but stronger than man and it was a biological life form, an entity that could that was actually made up of colonies of creatures but that could mimic and this was what they were using to infiltrate a number of major urban areas major, major population centers around the Amazon jungle for they were connected to the type 3 fungal parasitoid what had been evolved to mimic the physical appearance of people and the people typically took the shape of women and the women would typically be very sexually aggressive and predatory and would usually be very um, energetic in their ex- in their exploits and in their hunt for men and women to engage in sexual activity with this would spread the fungal parasitoid into people it would spread like a venereal disease 
and it would communicate this this parasite so that the infected would later devolve and their bodies converted into biofuel and biomass and the biomass would be then completely 100% fungal parasitoid bearing the genetic knowledge of every one of the other members of every other species that it had devoured in its genetic lifetime and it would spread generationally so that the horrors you would see the terror in encountering one of these creatures is nigh undescribable it is the worst thing you could ever encounter and it is something which will haunt me forever but that we call the Leviathan and that we have set up many many campaigns to eradicate to secure to control and to protect the areas around there we burn the jungle specifically to target these creatures and to target their nests or their hives. We target their breeding grounds. They tend to breed and populate in watery, humid domains given their marine nature. But each of these beetles is different and each one is unique and highly specialized to their existence of life and there are hundreds of thousands of known beetle species but each beetle is different and even though they're very similar they evolved that way through congruent evolution not direct lineage so I really think that the Leviathan, the great enemy is a species unto itself that I will call the fourth type and I believe that was the fourth type of creature that we encountered having been a genealogical production of the third type which was the fungal star the, the fungal parasitic starfish type I believe that there's a difference between the Amazon and the Antarctic species and variety just like there are differences in the variety of insects but I believe their purpose, their behavior, and their functionality are very similar. I believe just like the difference between the different insects, even though these all can fly, they don't fly for the same reason, and they don't fly because of each other or for each other. There's no central authority. Unlike this species, which has been encountered sorry not unlike I don't know if I ever said that right not unlike this species which has been encountered these are the centipoids the centipoidal creatures they don't have a central structure there is no central authority but they are encountered both here and on Mars suggesting that they were either carried that 
to both locations, uh, like forced to travel to both locations due to uh, the power of another intelligent species, or they once had the ability to travel between the two spheres, the two planes of existence, and they lost it through a de-evolution or have not expressed the ability to recreate that technology, maybe through through some other societal breakdown or uh, misfortune. They have varied appearances, but the one similarity is they have a humanoid front structure, including a head, pincers, two pincers that act as four limbs. The rest of their limbs can vary in number, but they usually serve as legs. And they have two tail sections, which are usually venomous, some having the ability to shoot acid, others having the ability to spin webs, uh, webbing, which is uh, stronger than spider silk, proportionally, and others having the ability to manifest uh, further pincers uh, and stingers that can, that can excrete venom. They are typically very large, between 10 to 30 feet. They are typically very hostile. But they are also capable of intelligence. Although the hostile centipoids have given the the distinct impression that the entire species is more than likely bestial but just operates on a level of intelligence related, but that close to an ape, close to a primate. There are different species of them, or what we can tell different body types, different appearances of them. Um, their, larva, their larva are uh, quite different in appearance, like the same as a dragonfly limp, uh, nymph versus the eventual dragonfly. They are tend to be uh, shorter in structure, uh, not as long, and but the legs are all present, seeming the same count, and they just tend to morph and have a metamorphosis into their later adult forms. As they age, or they become longer, and their humanoid up front part becomes more humanoid, and looking almost like the upper torso of a man. Some have de- established communication, with us learning both sign language and the ability to uh, point out pre-written symbols showing uh, the greater the higher levels of faculty and intelligence others uh, have shown enough intelligence to raid human settlements to raid human uh, uh, populations and to uh, kidnap travelers and passers-by where they are located typically underground, subterranean caverns, caves, uh, in deserts, and deep forests, typically avoiding a lot of disturbance and development. Some have been located in cities. Some have been located in major cities in the sewer system. That is something to be, uh, to be noted because they typically are the most predaceous and most active there. And while they all seem to be genetically very similar, it's unclear whether or not they are uh, all related to each other because they do vary so much in appearance. And it's also very strange because they actively prey on human beings, suggesting that we are not so alien to them as they are to us, that they are more aware of us than we are of them.
um, maybe suggesting that they had a, a education given to them by other intelligent species, probably the Orion Draco, or have been around our development and our evolution as a species since the very beginning and not discovered during the same time as we discovered them, not discovered simultaneously. Just like the humanoids on Earth, just like the humans, I mean, just like the humans on Earth and like the hominids and the, sorry, the humanoids around the solar system, these insects are not the same. And even though they are each unique and beautiful, but they are classified in the same distinct family and species structure. The greys are the only species we know that is completely artificial, that is made specifically by another uh, intelligent species to serve as a slave caste, which was the Orion Draco, to serve as their slaves. And even they have a great variance in disposition and behavior and intelligence and appearance and and appearance and we believe that the mantis sorry I believe that the mantis the mantids don't have the same nature as the others that we've encountered do because even though most of the ultraterrestrials we've encountered are hostile towards people and view people as prey, I believe the mantids are of a different origin. I believe that they may be like those beetles. They may be one of the many beetles, the one of the many intelligent species from Earth, but I believe that their nature is genuinely unique, and I believe that their evolution is generally specialized. Uh, I have encountered mantis men and... and situations outside of the my lab and ssp i have been personally visited by a mantis uh, ambassador and they were kind enough as an individual to an individual of a different species to take into account my disposition and my attitude and my emotions throughout the entire experience and did not seem to wish me any kind of harm it was roughly over seven feet tall it could spread its uh, arms its forelimbs from either side of the room it was in so that was over 15 feet as an arm span it covered its mouth with its hands as it spoke and it wore a robe this, this gray shining type silk it wore it because it was modest and didn't want to it didn't want to intimidate or terrify me because it knew that I had a tendency to act hostile to the unknown and to what inspired fear in me and it, I would turn violent because of my education and my brainwashing, my, my MK Ultra programming, and that it was not in a not on a mission of hostility, it was on a mission of education and peace. And it flooded my mind with a lot of pacificating, uh, pacifying, 
terms of love and endearment. And it filled me with good emotions that I couldn't resist. It really did kind of like flood me with love. And it filled my mind with a movie of all the best times of my life. And I felt extremely appreciative to have seen them so clearly and experienced them so vividly. And our conference went on for several hours. And it basically told me that I had to understand that there was a council, a, a grouping of spiritual beings from all walks of existence, from all walks of life, because they had accepted love as the one true fact of existence, the one true universal law, the great attractor, and that any, any loyalty I had to fear and to chaos and to death and destruction were going to keep me from this extension or keep me from this enlightenment I'll never forget how it covered its mouth when it spoke because it it knew that I would be afraid instinctively to see it just the way that a seal would be afraid of a shark instinctively or just the way that a you know, a antelope would be afraid of a lion and a lion's teeth because it's programmed to be afraid. It's it's trained to be afraid. It's educated through life to be afraid. Justifiably so. But it was beyond that basic existence where what it had evolved to do or what it had evolved for was its prime directive. The origin of its evolution was not its prime directive, such as saying that a man can un, man can willingly not choose to kill and slaughter and eat a cow upon sight or upon uh, encounter, even though it might love to eat steak, even though he might love to eat cattle that not every cattle is meant for his consumption and not every cattle is meant for consumption. And so it tries its best to pacify and comfort and accommodate that cattle because it's appreciative and it's it's uh, ultimately a kind and sympathetic person or a kind and sympathetic being. These mantids, though, have been known to be uh, very prevalent in abduction. They typically are, are seen working alongside greys, which I believe they have purchased or have acclaimed or created in, um, because they made a deal with the Orion Draco. I believe they're that advanced where they deal with the Orion Draco and the Astro High Command and they deal with the greys. I believe that they, they, their national territory, their loc, their native lands are Mars, or Earth, ancient Earth. They are very prevalent in abduction. Um, to, with children, they seem to choose and develop and nurture specially gifted children. 
they are typically associated with abduction of women, um, human women, specifically because of their reproductive traits. There seems to be an agenda with human reproduction and the abductions. They, they in this regard, are no different than the My Labs or the Eight Gray uh, uh, Independent Abductions, or the Orion Draco poaching, or the Ashtar High Command um, selection process. In this regard, typically most abductions involve some kind of reproductive material gathering being milked by uh, whatever device or in Agassiz's case it was a graze hybridized with the female human form to to collect the semen and they are also commonly associated with showing human beings films about the fate of the earth or like in my case, discussing metaphysical concepts of idealism, our community, our civilization. I believe that they ultimately want to forge a peace with humankind, but understand that mankind is very warlike and is actually a species created in most regards to complete a a conquest of the solar system I believe that the mantids are close guardians of humanity and they are watchers of humanity that they are there both on the fringes of our society and at the heart of our society uh, kind of directing us um, into, into an idealized uh, timeline of positivity and uh, prosperity. I believe they can travel through the solar system. I believe they have ships. I believe that their ships are organic in nature. I believe that they might be found on the gray vessels, on, on the grays vessels, or on, but I have not seen them on repurposed Orion Draco vessels. So even though they might deal with the Orion Draco to acquire the grays, they are also more likely not trading the technology with them. Thus, they're not abducting human beings with the Orion Draco or for the Orion Draco's agricultural process of mankind. I believe that they are actually against that. I believe that they might be against that um, to the point of hostility with the Orion Draco if they're capable of hostility. Because I have not seen that they are capable of hostility or incapable of, uh, of destruction. I don't believe they have any weaponry. I don't believe they have weaponry uh, as a conscious choice, not that they couldn't develop it. They seem to fly in these very mysteriously constructed, um, like, waveform ships that basically swim through the air, and they swim through the outer space materium, the ether, and they can also swim through uh, deep water, and they can swim uh, through solid matter, such as rock when they are traveling from their underground
ground to surface uh, destinations. The pattern is like a movement as an undulation, and these ships are like tubes. They're very elegant and simplistic in design, and bio and very organic in their design. Uh, theories do suggest that they might be a type of co-opted organic life form that could do this naturally, having evolved the ability to fly uh, and, and phase through materium. But they co-opted it and created a type of ship creature through a breeding program, a, a harnessing of the natural abilities of this, this type of organism. They could also have developed it as a type of completely artificial construction or construct, but it's just such an advanced engineering method that mankind really can't understand it as a type of engineered machine, as a type of contraption, or as a type of um, implemented design, because it's, it is very non-Euclidean in our understanding of it. They also travel in mass uh, in these types of flying jellyfish. If you can believe just that simply, these ships look like flying jellyfish. They are a type of hot air balloon type structure where the central bell uh, possesses whatever type of fuel or propulsion device that these ships use, even though they are often seen simply existing, simply floating in higher altitudes, kind of defying the laws of physics, kind of defying the laws of gravity. They also travel through the space, uh, through outer space the same way. They kind of just simply glide towards their destination. They don't really seem to be very focused on speed, and they move quite leisurely. They don't really seem to propel themselves at blinding speeds or in hypersonic speeds or mock speeds to break the physical pull of gravity or to um, enter or exit space or the atmosphere. They, these ships are very delicate and fragile looking. They, they have a type of tendril which is very mysterious in purpose and it also leads to the fact that it doesn't seem to have been constructed. So it must be an organic structure, an organic creature, a type of superorganism that they just harnessed and they, they have domesticated and trained to serve as their type of uh, mass transport vessel, their mothership, if you were, and that these uh, designs are not their designs, but they are just their, their ability to to master uh, other species or, or to, um, I don't even know, really, it's like, that's one of the things that blows my mind, is that the manids or um, the insectalians, whatever you would like to call them, the mantis men, they can create dimensional portals as well. And they sometimes slip in and out of our space into another type of uh, dimensional density. That, that doesn't really lead to a known location or
really do anything more but fold them into a different type of um, place and time. It's unclear if it's a type of time travel. It's unclear if it's a type of hyperspace uh, warp to a much uh, more secretive or distant location. But there really hasn't been any like sight or proof of where exactly or how uh, exactly this function works or, or you know uh, what its purpose is because the destinations never been very clear. They could be hiding or they could be traveling. Um, as we get more intelligent, as we as our technology improves, and we start developing uh, hyperspace folding and etc. for our engines and our for our propulsion of our vehicles, the vessels, we are colonizing and developing these in the effort of war, developing them in the effort of hostility. Even our simplest of technologies produce the deadliest of devices, produce the deadliest of weapons. But the true killer instinct of man is the will to create these devices of destruction. The ability to create these weapons. It's the heart of a killer. It's the heart of a murderer. Of a true super predator. Indeed, after examining the types of ultra-terrestrials we have found, the types of intelligent life we have found on the Earth, could we not presume from a different perspective that it is us, that it is our species, that is mankind, that is the true super-predator, that is the true dominant life-form of our ecosystem, and that our advance to the stars is nothing short of an invasion of a killer being of pure death incarnate that is spreading across the solar system that is going to reach up to the stars that is going to annihilate and destroy any life form that it encounters that it views as a threat indeed even the things that make us afraid even the things that challenge us the most just seem to embolden us and seem to glorify us when we do destroy them and we, our efforts to destroy them go into the fact that we destroy ourselves to destroy others and on Mars we have been currently colonizing that world surface for close to 50 to 60 years and we are already engaging the domesticated life and the domestic life forms there the native life forms there in life or death um in life or death hostilities we are using deadly force to call their numbers to to meet their challenges of our expansion of our empire's expansion and we're using our technology the gift that the gods have given us of engineering to conquer and harvest the native fauna, the native lands, the native species there. Regardless if they are intelligent or not, because if they do not uh, meet a certain criteria, they are considered an exploitable resource. The insect aliens, the mantids, the intelligent species that we have met on Earth, we also meet variations of on Mars, 
but as our colonies grow, as our populations grow into the millions and soon to be into the billions, we are turning to devouring. We are turning into locusts. We are turning into into the super predator that we really are. And we are running on instinct. And the instinct to eat is the most basic. I can't help but think that the mantids, the mantis men, are trying to change our ways. Because we are going to put them on the menu sooner than later. And that we are going to eat them. We are going to devour them. And to fuel ourselves, to feed ourselves, to keep ourselves alive, we will kill everything that we encounter. And the stars will be a graveyard. We are truly the monsters. This has been Rumors of War 1987. Iron sharpens iron and a friend sharpens a friend. Thank you for taking this ride with me. Please like and subscribe. If you haven't already, leave a thumbs up. Thank you very much. I appreciate you all. God bless. And have a good night.
Good evening to all you out there in dreamland. This is Rumors of War 1987. Back again with another installment of the series, Know the Enemy. Please like and subscribe so I may continue my work. Also, give consideration to donating. Anything helps from a single dollar to buying me lunch. I'd greatly appreciate it, and I'd list you as a credit and uh, as a producer and give you a credit in future videos if you would contribute to my Patreon or my PayPal. Let's get on with this. This is the installment I am dedicating my channeling session and my meditative um, session today to the parasite that is probably the greatest domestic threat to mankind on earth it is known as the great enemy amongst intelligence circles it is considered one of the most top secret things to have ever been classified above top secret it is extremely dangerous and very deadly it is known as Dagon and is known as Leviathan inside the secret space program and super soldier programs it is the standard for the enemies of mankind in the cosmos So let's begin. The mantids may be terrifying to us, and they may abduct us and subjugate us to experimentation, but they terrify us because of the instinct we have to fear apex predators and to fear physical threats to our existence. In this life... There are predators and there is prey. That is a binary which mankind can understand and is comfortable with. Even though we might be on the side of prey, we also can be on the side of predators. The mantis is a deadly predator. The mantis is one of the most fearsome and ferocious predators in existence. This scaled up to larger than an adult human male would be enough to send paralyzing waves of fear through one's heart, regardless of their courage, their fortitude, or their experience in dealing with matters of the unknown, simply because this thing is a chainsaw housed in kitten housed in a carapace it is an extremely powerful entity as a creature it has the ability to fly it can rip and shred 
and tear with its mandibles and given perspective we don't want to be on the wrong side of teeth regardless of how intelligent compassionate artistic or emotionally sensitive an intelligent species can be the potential of them being driven by hunger is enough for us to fear and to turn hostile and to challenge them for our continued existence that is why they take such steps I believe into establishing good relationships with us excuse me that is why they take such steps into establishing peaceful experiences and they are avatars of positivity that's why I believe that they are not a threat to mankind is because they act on their best behavior even though they could be physically dangerous to mankind they are so overpowering on the mental and and emotional and intelligence spectrums And I believe it's because even though they may be great predators, they are still in the ecosystem, the food chain, the eco-web of the earth. And everything has its predator. Everything has its place in the food chain. Nature is cruel. Nature is very cruel. Human beings can be very cruel, but it's because the nature that we find ourselves having to compete with for our very survival makes us cruel. It drives us to extremes, and no other incident besides the encounter and the engagement with this parasitic super parasite, this this insane organism which can replicate the intelligence of its host and has control over the genetics and the genetic history of its hosts throughout generations of its own lineage of its own existence is one of the cruelest most extreme examples of nature We have experienced a lot as a species. We have experienced dimensional threats. We have experienced spiritual threats. We have experienced other intelligent races. We have experienced their attempted sabotage on our timeline. There are physical enslavements to serve as ranched herd animals to feed their needs for blood and meat and carnage. We have fought ourselves for our own world's destiny. We have waged a quantum war amongst ourselves. We have waged a war amongst the moons and planets of our solar system for generations. We have fought for our own 
Inns and fought as mercenaries for other intelligent races that do not have our best interests in mind. We have reached to the stars and to the heavens, and we reach even higher as the years go by. What is real and what is just a suppressed reality? What is truth and what is a suppressed truth? Just because something seems too good to believe does not mean it is not real. And just because something seems too horrible to be real does not mean it is not real. There are many secrets the U.S. military keeps. There are many lives which are sacrificed to keep those secrets. And there will be many more sacrificed to keep them secret. Many brave men and women become the best that they can be to keep these secrets and to keep these threats far away from Americans and the domestic sphere of our reality, the pleasant sunny side of life they operate in darkness they operate in shadows they operate overseas thousands of miles away they operate at the behest of their masters which hide themselves thousands of miles away and take their orders from dark powers and principalities. These are normal men and women, sometimes not fitted it with too much high-tech gear. They are not the research or exper experimental side of the high-tech solar warden, our dark fleet, our private military company forces. They are just surviving with their guts, with their training, and with each other. They take the trauma. They rush towards the danger. And they are either killed or they can kill that danger. These men laugh at death. And these men are death. But what can death do against the ultimate expression of life? Against the ultimate survivor? Against an entity, an organism that has survived for millions of years? the extinction of hundreds if not thousands of species the life cycle of these things has been known to us parasites have been known to us we do a great majority of our efforts in our food 
cre uh, processing and creation and our medical development to eliminate threats that they pose but still millions of people are infected by parasites every year internal worms blood worms flukes creature amoebas that can infest the brain the liver the lungs the intestines tapeworms they come through water they come through the meat of others the United States military first encountered the super parasite that it would later classify as the enemy, as the Dagon, and as Leviathan. During the Vietnam War, it was during an operation to assassinate rural communist leaders in far removed remote villages where only special operations could reach and were deliberately kept off the map to avoid censor from the civilians and the politicians who were sympathetic in the late 60s a seek and destroy operation was conducted having found one such village after following the medical vehicles forming a caravan under the communist North Vietnamese army being sent to supply aid we thought it was a plague of yellow fever or an outbreak of malaria or an outbreak of cholera we deployed Agent Orange the US military it, by we I mean the US military deployed Agent Orange to deforest most of the jungle canopy then hit the area with napalm and then sent in patrols those patrols never made it back we lost contact with them we thought they were ambushed by North Vietnamese special forces and we also thought that the Viet Cong might have dug rat holes dug spider holes and a network of tunnels and defensive bunkers we thought we might have been hitting the surface of an underground city like Ho Chi Minh So we sent in army rangers, we sent in marine marauders, and we sent in CIA, specially trained assassins who were fluent in the language and culture of the villagers of the jungles of Vietnam. Using the latest equipment, night vision and thermal, uh, thermal vision, a flare, forward looking infrared, we spotted irregular serpentine movements inside the canopy, inside the charred remains of the jungle itself. 
they were fleeing from corpses. They were fleeing from the corpses of animals. But there were more men and women than there were animal corpses. The men and women had suffered signs of, we thought, a severe trauma. But what was obvious, it was mutation of their bodies during their lives before they were exposed to Agent Orange and before they were exposed to Napalm. Some were witnessed expelling these serpentine worms, these serpentine parasitic life forms from their corpses as the men gathered them and collected the dead, looking for intelligence on the bodies and searching them for identifying tattoos or identification papers. Many were seen with these holes in several places of their body, some many several dozens of these holes which were clawed out from the inside. Some men were hollow, just husks of skin and fat, their internal organs having been eaten away. Some showed signs of severe growth. Some showed signs of slight mutations. Some showed signs of heavy mutilation. Distinguishing what the bombs had done and what was done prior to the bombs took a great feat of battlefield forensics. Everything was recorded and the records were transferred back to the CIA mission control and the U.S. Navy's and the U.S. Marine Corps' intelligence agencies, which were closest in operating off carriers off the coast of Vietnam. The U.S. Army was also informed, and as was the Soviet Union because at that time we were engaging in diplomatic access to both existing files and we thought it was as pertinent for them to know the severity of these mutations and abnormalities and the extremely distressing discoveries of these uh, the correlations between the serpentine creatures and the bodies of the people, the fates of the villagers. We were viewing the world security at this point, knowing that whatever was traveling through this jungle was subject to the same condition, the same infection, and that the threat was biological, not man, not man-made not a bioweapon created by the Soviets in attempts to destroy the American lives because we were cooperating at the very top echelons for the secret space program. The Central Intelligence Agency classified this an omega, a level threat, meaning that it was a threat that was that existed to all members of the human race, all nations, and superseded the politics of the Cold War. Such a threat was usually reserved for a rogue kaiju, which had been discovered since World War II, an ultra-terrestrial species, such as the ones encountered in Antarctica, 
or a asteroid or some other cosmic events such as a solar flare. They called the creature Cloverdale. First, that was the initial classification was Clover, Cloverdale. Uh, the movie Cloverfield was a homage, homage to that, the secrecy and to the strangeness, the surrealness of that name when it comes to the extreme secrecy and danger that surrounds this topic. Refugee children from that jungle war in Vietnam, Cambodia, Laos, and the rest of the jungles of Indochina down to Thailand, Cambodia, uh, town of Thailand, Malaysia, and the Indonesian jungles were also uh, found to possess larval forms of the serpentine entity, the serpentine parasite. Many refugees were found to have it, and they were brought in for experimentation to be subject to our medical investigations. The evidence was secured and studied on site not risking to travel with it by both United States and Soviet Union scientists. Villages that were caught with, that were found to have evidence of this organism's infection, evidence of the infections, and any of its citizens was burned to the ground. We have collaborated with Pol Pot the leader of the Khmer Rouge to help us eradicate these villages and eradicate his own citizenry to destroy samples and destroy populations that might be infection risks or might be heavily infected themselves. Our soldiers, when they came back, began showing signs of infection and thus, any troops that were sent within the jungle, the deep jungle, to recover or eradicate or secure these parasitical organisms and who came into close contact or direct contact with them were found to be infected. Giving rise to the question of the infection mechanism. Many who came, who went and who served were burned and killed upon return by the United States military. They, their lives were forfeits and they were deemed expendable rather than face the consequences of having them reintegrate with the population or become possessed and lose their faculties while still capable of accessing military hardware, accessing military material. It is one of the darkest days in the U.S. military but since then, any infected personnel, any compromised personnel or agent 
are scientists employed by the Department of Defense or a private military company or the CIA and any of its run organizations is eliminated upon outbreak, upon infection, or upon questionable contact with an infected human being. No exceptions are made. Over time, this has built up a, a large number of sacrificed service personnel. Usually they are said to have gone AWOL. Usually they are said to have gone MIA or KIA with their bodies unrecovered in hostile war zones, hot zones, or in obscure duty stations. The members that were recovered, I mean, the military members that were destroyed after having initially come into contact with the infected Vietnamese jungle villagers were shown to have brain parasites, worm-like in nature, like grubs, acting as internal blood vessels they had replaced and become integral inside the brain's physiology to, to coordinate and pump blood. They, or their removal was fatal for those that were kept alive to the, for further experimentation until those living uh, examples, living experimental samples were destroyed. Our contact went dark after that with next outbreak occurring thousands of miles away in the western borders of the Soviet Union and the eastern borders of Europe and the mountains of Romania and the Caucasus they were developing a tunnel system building bunkers in preparations for the Cold War for the fear of nuclear assault and these communist sponsored engineering projects required them to bore deep holes into dark, wet caverns. And the workers that did this, so the workers that went deep into the earth and pioneered um, pathways into caverns, into cave systems, into pre-existing lava tubes, encountered spores or eggs or infectious vectors such as bats or insects and they themselves were infected although the Soviet Union entombed them into those bunkers into those tunnels and left them to suffer their fate 
statues and memorials are erected, but not advertised, and very little known. They are obscured by the Iron Curtain and by and lost in translation culturally. They are covered up and swept under the rug as most Soviet unions. Darker exploits were. But those men ranged into the hundreds. And they were trapped to their fate. The samples that the Soviet Union did get a hold of, though, were sold through corrupted channels from secret society connections through mafia channels to wealthy pharmaceutical barons from Europe. And they were scattered throughout countries such as Switzerland, such as Spain, such as Italy, France, and even England, as well as Germany, Poland, and they were used in experimental drug methods or experimental drug research to create amnesiacs that could erase memories and clean the slate of the mind and they would be integral into uh, integral in the secret space program MK Ultra program the assassin training program the ritual abuse programs the uh, programs to create cults and sleeper agents And these practices were very popular uh, elite pastimes. And they would then go to harvest more of these in the same tunnels and areas that were sealed off by the Soviet Union. Once their limited supply of the samples of Leviathan, of Dagon, of the great enemy had run exhausted, had run out. They were basically poached. These specimens were collected at great risk by individuals who typically were released prisoners under the conditions that they would perform these duties. Locals, drug addicts, people in debt to the mafia, people in debt to political parties and societies, and the other cutthroats of pirates and people with nothing to lose. And they would descend in these ancient tunnels and these networks of caves and sewers to find the rats and to find the bats and to find the other subterranean traces of this infection is infectious parasite for sale and trade to the elites of the pharmaceutical ruling bloodlines of Europe. America would again see these parasites in jungles 
but not the jungles of Vietnam. They would see them in the jungles of the Amazon rainforest. They would see them deep again in the infected bodies of villagers. And they would see them again in clandestine military matters. The leading idea, the leading theory, is that this creature is photophobic and has a deep aversion to sunlight. And that is why its territory is naturally occurring either deep underground or in deep forests and deep jungles that are typically shrouded by mists, typically covered in rainfalls or monsoons, are under thick canopy that allows only the most minimum of sunlight through. There's also ample food sources for the semi-predatory nature, at least the host requirements that this parasite has, as well as ample territory for a creature that has been observed as mostly sedentary even though it might infect hosts that are that can are ambulatory and that do have migratory patterns once infected the hosts tend to not move they tend not to travel they in fact tend to stay in the exact vicinity where they were infected human beings for example that are infected in sewers do not attempt to leave the sewers do not attempt to escape into the surface are deeper into the tunnels but stay roughly where they are infected the villagers having been most likely infected through infected domesticated animals in the villages that we encounter typically i mean we're not leaving the village and we're not traveling outward from the village but rather establishing a foothold of that infection inside that one you know small territory we know that there has been generational infestation and infection inside this, the Amazon uh, many of the subterranean tunnels uh, ha- have been found filled with human and larger animal remains typically whatever is infected since, tends to exist until it naturally dies of old age or its body becomes too riddled with these parasites and the parasites devour it from the inside out leaving only the bones and the husk of the skin or they transform the entire flesh mass into more they convert it into more parasites or a larger version of the parasite during its late stages of its life cycle. Typically, humans are a rare um, infestation host. Typically, their hosts include dogs, which are feeding off the carrion and the, the food, the junk that lies around the infected. Typically, these dogs infect other dogs by attracting them through their social nature and through their uh, curiosity, their hurt, their pack mentality. Typically, these dogs are then 
able to infect more than the human hosts because they are faster and less suspicious. But doesn't matter the actual material hosts. If it's a mammal, there are several characteristics of the life cycles of the parasites internally uh, corrupting the outward appearance of the of the host humans dogs cattle sheep birds bats reptiles serpents anything that's been that's been shown to be affected fish they show the same symptoms they show the same metamorphosis they show the same uh, change in behavior and physical physicality humans that are infected you typically are infected at first from drinking water or from eating tainted meat infected meat typically that of pigs or dogs so typically the most impoverished and poorer of society the the fringe of society is infected typically and it involves severe stomach pains headaches aversions in light uh, change in appetite change, uh, heightened sexuality sexual aggression and the obsession of to socialize the obsession for body contact and the obsession to transmit the infection on a microscopic scale before the body starts becoming too heavily riddled too crippled by the parasite um Amongst the Amazon rainforest, many ghettos, many favelas in Brazil, Colombia, and Venezuela are constantly monitored and constantly um, having to be quarantined and the infected rooted out and hunted down. Many times the ignorant and uneducated population of these favelas, these ghettos, uh, think that it's just persecution of individuals for a drug or gang activity. Many times they think it's just the cleansing of streets from homeless people. Many times they believe it's just something that's not their business. It takes a long time for the parasite to reach a stage where it can be physically noticeable, where it's a physically visible entity. So... It's a late stage in its development, but it has already controlled the brain, developing roots and, and larval uh, pupae and the grubs inside the brain, the throat, the stomach, the lungs, the heart, every limb until you start seeing an outward change of behavior and appearance. Typically, only the most rural and deep jungle natives were exposed to this type of parasite. And it's a mystery if the Meso-American, the Aztec, the Mayan, and the Incan uh, empires had to deal with this threat. If they knew about it and what was their method in dealing with it, we suspect and theorize that it was much the same as we deal with it and by sending in elite military units warrior tribes and then burning and destroying um, the area and the territory to keep the the infected uh, isolated to quarantine them and then to destroy them physically once the late stages have occurred to the point that the creature the infected creature is almost entirely filled or, or, or um, infested 
the infestation will either start pouring from open wounds that it creates by eating its way out of the skin. It will start converting the muscle into writhing masses of its larvae. It will start up being able to poke out, uh, protrude, and exude its limbs and typically its genitalia. Typically, so that it can lay eggs on surfaces or typically uh, approach and impale and implant its larva and its, its spawn into other organisms in the human being. This is most likely occurring around the head as well as every mammal that we've noticed that we've actually studied that occurs around the head. Uh, the head becomes replaced as the creature bursts out of its eye holes, of its ear holes, of its nose holes, and of its mouth, uh, the extension of its of its tendrils, the brain is kept intact, even though it's heavily infested with larvae and anchored with uh, tendrils, it still operates as the brain and pilots and coordinates the the host organism. In the latest stages, the head is this point vestigial the brain case is highly compromised uh, old sensory organs such and 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 organs of function such as the throat the mouth um, the lungs the stomach are gone they're replaced just with the actual physical parasite the actual serpentine parasite and the body itself is has several routes to take, has several directive directions to take at this point. It's been a witness that a num- most becomes skeletal, the muscle having been atrophied, the muscle having been eaten, the host animal starving, and being just basically used as a suit. And, you know, it has no real purpose for the parasite besides just to keep it warm and to keep it fed as long as it can. But then it's shed and the parasite uh, flees, it leaves to find another host or die of old age as its spawn go to find other hosts and complete the infectious life cycle. It could attain muscle mass. We call these blood flowers. We call them blood flowers. They're filled with spores. They're the... It's when the muscle mass grows, it's accelerated its growth, and the skin is shed so that it's just the uh, tomb of muscle mass, and more meat and more flesh of other animals is actually combined and melded with it, and it forms these gigantic mounds of flesh, these shambling uh, constructions of meat and flesh, and these allow greater mobility the internal parasite greater protection from the sun greater protection to exposure to light greater exposure to the out the outdoor elements um typically like i said they typically are ice they're they're, they're, they don't really move very much they typically are very territorial when it comes to they're very stationary but these forms actually do move these forms actually do uh travel and they have been known to travel great distances the they're not very subtle. They're, they're very, you know, out in the open. They're very shocking. They're very terrifying. And for an infectious parasite, that's kind of not what it wants, you know, because it wants to just kind of get by. 
But at this point, it's just a over collection of material. It's an over collection of this flesh material. Uh, typically, a group of people will become one gigantic uh, blood flower, will become one gigantic shambling horde and mass. As this beast would be like a a um, collection of the infected hosts and become kind of like a juggernaut for the infected uh, uh, parasite to pilot. We did learn that the Orion Draco in their subterranean territories and their colonies and their spires deals with the parasite. They are subject to the parasite. They know about the parasite. They agree that it is a great enemy and they agree with the terminology that we have for it. They have shared their technology and their their tactics on how to deal with it, how they deal with the, the infestation when they encounter it. And they also talk about, they also traded in exchange of their research for thousands of humans to, uh, to add to their breeding stock and their ranch program so that they could become basically agriculture. But we were willing to make the deal for thousands of innocent human lives to better understand this parasite without the need to expose more of our species to it in research and development of, uh, you know, um, containment procedures. We find these blood flowers in jungles. Typically, they are, they are the ones walking around the surface, the jungle floor. Typically, they're the ones that we are most likely to encounter when undergoing expedition into deep jungles or going and exploring into territories of great darkness and um, uh, rough terrain and uh, impossible terrain. We have seen several variations of the typical blood flower in which it's a shambling mound of meat, but it could also be a more, uh, depending on the host, depending on the actual host, and depending on the, the combination of the hosts uh, present. We have seen reptilian versions where the, ho- the blood flower is made up of reptilians. We, uh, Orion Draco, we have seen them where they are made up of both humans and Orion Draco after exposure in colonies of their, of their 4D colonies. Uh, they don't seem to mind if they combine species like that. We've seen animal and man. We've seen beast and man. And we've seen um, highly functional and specialized versions of these blood flowers, uh, including ones that were made specifically to prey openly on creatures, like, say, combinations of jaguar and deer and antelope to form uh, super creatures like chimera. We've also seen uh, horrors such as the development of mammalian tissue into that of an arachnid or a centipede type figure. We have seen um, blood flowers that were the combinations of dozens of people uh, creating blood flowers of great stature and great weight. We're talking over a thousand pounds with the limbs of 50 to 100 people sometimes that has not been unheard of I mean that's not impossible uh, we do send uh, 
response teams, containment teams, and eradicating teams and hunter-killer teams, whenever these are encountered, we do not let them go to their own designs, devices. We don't let them go freely through the, through the jungle to possibly infect naturally forming communities of aborigines or, you know, to encounter the civilians. We try to... We try to eradicate and destroy them upon sight or upon uh, first chance. We try to do it as soon as possible. Usually we'll send one or two kill teams of specialists, jungle warfare specialists, special warfare uh, fighters, spec ops, uh, Delta Force, Yellow Fruit, Seabreeze, via helicopter or, or drop uh, or, or um, troop transport plane, but we will also send um, heavier responses without hesitation. As mankind digs and as mankind tunnels, sporadic incidences are becoming of infection are becoming more common. Sporadic uh, encounters are becoming more common. It seems to me, it seems to be that a lot of this parasite is dormant in many volcanic formations of lava tubes. Uh, it seems to be that they are a silicon-based life form and that they exist, uh, they thrive, really, underneath volcanic tubes and or underneath volcanoes and volcanic tubes near flowing magma or they are a type of archaeobacteria and they, they're, they're extremophiles. And they exist in deep, deep levels, deep, deep underground. Surface areas where they are present are being contained with fires, with burning, uh, with uh, direct energy weapons ca uh, causing fires. Um, good old-fashioned propellants such as, you know, fuel, jet fuel, uh, burning down jungles hundreds of acres at a time. This seems to be an effective strategy in handling their populations in the Amazon jungle, as well as the jungles of Vietnam. Uh, we have authority over these sites. The Soviet Union has their own authorities, but they, they seem to agree that this is the best method is to cause uh, controlled fires, controlled burning. And the slash and burn type methodology is not is not without reason because the populations of this infectious parasite are far more widespread than anyone would ever feel safe knowing. They cover thousands and thousands and thousands of acres naturally of jungle on both continents or both hemispheres and we have started relying on paying and recruiting and training local militias and local guerrilla armies and local warlords setting them up with powerful cartel businesses for drug running to supply them with the money and we've been doing that since the Reagan era and we've called them Contras 
and fabricated a lot of civil wars down in South America and Latin America so we could have a standing army of informal um, informal locals that are experts in terrain, experts in jungle warfare, and experts of the area, the local populations, so they know they can spot and, uh, and um, pinpoint infected populations, populations that are at risk in isolated communities which are at risk and do our dirty work for us. They are the ones that also um, are exposed the most, and they are the ones that are expendable and are best expendable. So we've moved away from having to uh, send suicide squads of special forces because special forces, the U.S. military special forces are expensive, and um, it's unethical to treat such a, a patriotic soldier and uh, service uh, servant of the United States that way. So we use these guerrilla forces. We also use gangs in urban locations since infected individuals from villages can also travel to um, cities and they do so uh, during the earliest stages in many circumstances. So, but in case they do travel to the city, we cause city fires via orders to these gangs um, in the forms of riots or in the forms of protests or in the forms of accidental arsons or accidental fires or even arsons. Um, we cause major fires in urban areas. And we do so without hesitation. We do so for the greater safety and security of the population of the human beings at large due to the highly infect infectious nature highly dangerous nature of this mutagenic parasite super parasite this is where a lot of trauma comes from uh, personally because I used to in the, in the either I hope the VR training but I could have actually been experiencing this real in reality in, in this physical body or as a pilot a sole pilot to a clone in a mercenary capacity um, due to SSP, the super soldier programming, and the astral conditioning early on in life, setting fires to whole neighborhoods, ghettos with thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of people in these, in these blocks, burning them, making sure they did not escape, making sure the fire exterminated them and purged them from the world, um, killing women, children who were suspected of being infected whose symptoms were simply not wanting to let go of each other or wanting to uh, come into contact with them, with, with their loved ones and with uh, ourselves, uh, being uh, sent to train and to be stationed with guerrillas, with Contra, committing atrocities with the Contra, exploring remote, hostile jungle locations, and experiencing the worst of these conditions, the this this green hell, um, somewhere in the jungles of Nicaragua, uh, training and being deployed to Venezuela, being deployed to Brazil, and all along the Amazon River, um, burning um, people in their sleep because the fires would be quickly accelerated and. Um, then helping put out the fires uh, with the with the authorities, but using that as the excuse to go in and to secure room to room, uh, building to building, person to person, 
and and securing their bodies for further testing and by uh, my allies and my teammates. You have to understand that the overall mission for national security to secure, contain, and protect threats beyond one's reasoning, beyond one's knowledge, beyond one's um, security grade is why we are the overlords of the world and why Solar Warden is the overlord and authority of the world. But it's also why we're at odds with a lot of the private military companies and a lot of the other secret space programs, especially the Dark Fleet, especially the Notwaffen, because the Notwaffen and the Dark Fleet, with their connections to these Italian elites, with these with these mafioso elites, these European elites, and their connections with the Soviet Union as rogue entities, have the knowledge for this parasite. They use this parasite as a type of bioterrorism. And an event like that is considered a worst-case scenario, a scenario that exceeds the authorities of any naive, petty matter and causes direct involvement with the elite intelligence agencies, the elite military agencies of the world. And this is the allowing the Pentagon to control this world. We are already in a military prison. We are already in a military operation. Every single human being, every single woman, man, child. We are all serving the military and its ideas of security. This has been Rumors of War 1987. Thank you for listening. God bless you. Iron sharpens iron and a friend sharpens a friend. Be kind to each other. Thank you. Like and subscribe.
Incoming. 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 Prepare yourself for rumors of war. 1987. Good evening, everyone out there in Dreamland. This is Rumors of War, 1987, broadcasting to you from, again, Corpus Christi, Texas. On a beautiful twilight evening. The wind is blowing nicely. Paradise has never been more adequately applied to describe a landscape like this one. It's a strange world we live in, folks. It's a strange neighborhood to share with many different intelligent species, many different extraterrestrial races. It is very fitting to say that in all our encounters, over 900 so far, Many have been inferior to us on every level. Many have been superior to us on many levels. Many treat us as children, as an immature race with great potential and beauty. Others treat us as children and the exact reverse application of one of naivety, one of exploitability, and one of vulnerability. One, a, a state of innocence that is equal in their eyes to weakness. Others, though, seek only to survive. Now imagine if you were given sight to see, if you were giving eyes to see the hyperdimensional uh, realization abilities to lucid dream, to astral travel, to remote view, to... Um, tap into the zeitgeist of a time and to see the writing on the walls to have prophetic visions to have uh, communication with ascended masters and gods and goddesses um, with a lowercase g or even um, intelligent benevolent members of extraterrestrial races like the Astro High Command or uh, the Orion Draco imagine that you would you would see clearly that everyone else lived in a fog. You would see clearly that everyone else lived in obscurity behind the veil of ignorance clouded behind um, low-hanging information. You might see that your nation has been ruled and always been ruled by uh, invasive species, a carnivorous reptilian uh, influence that has treated you and your kind, you and your, your country as a ranch, as a giant um, source of uh, feed cattle, of, of steer. Now imagine you had the eyes to see, but your society was so limiting that in their public eye and their propaganda to silence you, to silence your criticism, to silence your observation and expression of your truth was considered close to sanitary, was considered close to um, keeping good social hygiene, keeping good social credit to support the system by excommunicating uh, the heretics in this world. Now imagine if the heretics against all odds over many decades uh, rallied together and they, they found strength in numbers and 
developed. They tapped into that community life force that is uh, large movements of people, you know, large physical proximities of people with uh, with a similar agendas, with shared beliefs and sentiments and creeds. And they began to rebel. They began to question the system so loudly that the system itself became the question that even though the these movements were regarded as fringe or marginal they made up the majority of the mainstream population of the citizenry of an entire uh territory or or country or state um and not just the the impoverished or the disenfranchised but the educated but the lawmakers but the you know medical personnel that people relied on as well as uh, every strata of society and wealth and they had gathered together propagating this meme of freedom waging meme warfare waging a psych uh, a psychic awakening and um say this for hypothetically the streets of hong kong the streets of hong kong would then be a buzz with this resistance fever with this fever of um rebellion and like a wildfire or like another fever a virus you would spread and contaminate and uh propagate and no matter what someone's best efforts were to contain and to quarantine these people who are most likely to infect others with the spirit of rebellion with the spirit of freedom that you would have the spirit of liberty that you would still see it spread and grow stronger until it infested the majority of your population thus ending the meat market thus ending the ability to uh treat the citizenry as cattle to treat the citizenry as a resource to be exploited to be bred and to be uh domesticated and you would stop these people from uh, and you would stop these people from exploiting you you would you would gain the the essence of turning the tables of uh of dealing with what would be in nature an abnormality would be in nature a uh, infectious disease a uh, virus and it would be treated by those rulers by that species that ruled that nation like we treat infections in our uh, natural animal life in our in our animal populations in our uh, populations of um, you know wild animals or wilderness animals now they might limit in the future the ability to um exploit certain natural resources there might be certain taboos put on certain kinds of meat to, to speak very forwardly but you would still find black markets and you would still find um you'd still find people producing this bush meat poaching um going forth to uh areas that were deemed you know outlawed that were deemed um illegal risking whatever the risk was to risk uh paying that price was to to pay forming organized crime cartels over this version of wilderness meat this version of uh free range meat uh for the consumption for the profit of consumption for the profit of selling it cuz they would become more lucrative meanwhile to support the um demands of the status quo of the system 
which have demands of themselves, not just the organized uh, cultural crimes, not just the, the people who refuse to change. You would need to transform and improve um, the upon the, the natural steer animal, the, the natural sheep of this, this the situation, the natural domesticated animal of the situation. I believe this situation would lead to the increase and the um, strengthening of parasites that are also common to this species. Uh, we would unleash a Pandora's box of uh, biological pathogens and uh, unforeseen consequences on a natural organic hazard scale, on a biohazard scale. We would deal with the ramifications of altered genetics throughout generations, and we would have to deal with not only the physical mut mutations that are uh, prescient, that are, that are uh, you, know, um, you know, physical uh, mutations, physical uh, sy deformed syndromes, but we would have to deal with the genetic deformity syndromes. We would have to deal with the uh, potential hazards of contamination and um, the further impacts that the incidental uh, species that are connected to the species uh, will undergo, such as the emboldening or empowering of parasites, such as increasing their transmittability, increasing their infectious life cycle, increasing the hardiness of them, increasing the abilities of them, um, the nature of them. Uh, fundamentally, what I think happened and this, ep this, this episode is uh, focused on this, is um, the parasite which we know as the great enemy, as the plague, as Leviathan, was recently uh, released, was recently um, had, an, had an outbreak in uh, China, in inland China, and this information was suppressed. The contamination was uh, quarantined, and eventually handled, eventually uh, taken care of. But I believe that what made this outbreak uh, unique, uh, given that the Earth Alliance is prepared to handle events such as this nature because it's handled them before for several decades. Um, and yes, outbreaks do occur in, in the human uh, in human history quite often. But that the this particular Chinese strain of parasite, this particular Chinese strain of the red worm of the plague of the uh, Leviathan was, was strengthened and made more efficient and its nature subtly changed uh, and its behavior suddenly changed uh, for the you know greater difficulty in, in, in exterminating it and for um, for dealing with it it became its survivability increased its its uh, its danger increased due to biological modifications of meat of, of, of creatures that were intended to feed the Chinese people and their increasing population but also in the Orion Draco's genetic manipulations of the Chinese uh, country, of the Chinese population, so that they may use the entire country as a louche farm, as a farm for human meat. And they use this operating off of the political prison system in China. They use this by uh, basically creating 
companies in China that are more powerful than national entities that are more powerful than state governments um, and then they create the authoritarian state government they create the People's uh, Communist Party in, um, in China which works hand in hand with them the left and right hands respectively of the, of the Great Dragon to imprison to um, censor to oppress and to persecute its own population to be handed over to these medical companies, these experimental pharmaceutical companies, and these uh, these uh, private military companies that are for profit, and in exchange for greater technology, greater wealth, greater uh, mathematical algorithms to to run the stock market or to control its own population more efficiently, you know, more worldly power, more earthly status, and. Um, and to develop in secret their own space program because I believe the Chinese want to go rogue. The Chinese want to go rogue and uh, either create a dominant position for themselves in the Earth Alliance or to be able to defend them from the united powers of the other nations present in the Earth Alliance. Uh, but that's another video. Okay, so you got the Chinese party working with the Orion Draco and the, the Orion Draco basically genetically altering the Chinese citizenry, the Chinese uh, the peasantry uh, because they want to feed on them and treat them like a giant ranch. If the, there, this raises the question how the plague was introduced and I have many theories about that. Now, the, the plague has not been completely suppressed yet. There, it's still, uh, it's on its last stages of being suppressed but, you know, uh, nature will find a way. No, but there, this was saga was uh, intense. It may have been brief chronologically, or it may be considered a very long-term issue. But it's still ongoing, and um, it started with China's encroachment into Antarctica. As best as I get the timeline, when they started exploring Antarctica, when they started claiming territory to explore in Antarctica, and putting at research stations and bases, drilling into freshwater lakes and glacial uh, ice formations was huge on their agenda, as was exploring the regional coasts uh, as an archaeological type function. They have been fascinated with pests, with uh, the idea of immunology, with the ability of the uh, parasitical organisms of the earth and um, vermin, like what they consider vermin. And I believe it was in their research or their discovery process of Antarctic life that they encountered primitive versions of the plague parasite, of the Leviathan parasite. They found these and decided to keep discoveries secret because they didn't want the E or the Earth Alliance, the EA, to uh, punish them or to censor them and their uh, their participation in the secret space program, the Solar Warden program. Um, and so they kept these secret, were counseled by the Orion Draco uh, in secret, and they continue to research on this plague in Antarctica, given this may, may, may have had a military pressure to move the, the subjects, but they were moved to uh, central mainland China. They were moved to uh, the Biological Weapons Laboratory in Wuhan, and from there, the biological sample was cross-contaminated through researchers into crows. They were transformed, the, the plague parasite was transmitted into crows, the crows transmitted it into pork. Uh, it wasn't an exotic bush meat like a bat or a pangolin or uh, whatever the mainstream media would like you to think about 
um, like an, I don't know, elephant horn or shark fin. It was crows, uh, people transmitting the virus to crows, crows then transmitting it amongst themselves and their flocks, and then those flocks transmitting it to pigs. The crows um, have excessively large populations in mainland China, and thus it was not a small problem anymore. Instantly overnight became a gigantic issue, a wildfire that needed to be contained. Um, the crow's population was in the millions, in the low millions, and they basically roosted and flew in giant swarming zigzag patterns around the farmland of Wuhan and into the city uh, to scavenge. They were taken over, assimilated, and uh, I guess you call it their consciousness possessed, possessed by the plague so that their physical actions were then, you know, exploited their ability to fly, to flock, to uh, maneuver into small and tight, you know, formations, to ride on uh, thermal drifts to conserve energy, etc. You know, basically the abilities of a crow uh, by the plague. And they intentionally sought to transmit the plague through um, freshwater sources and through the contamination of, of more meat uh, at this time. The plague was not acting intelligently. Uh, plague outbreaks generally are characterized by an increasing level of intelligence and sophistication. The more life forms they assimilate, that particular um, infected form can then tap into the genetic uh, history of previous infected forms, uh, you know, with no limit seemingly to to respond to certain situations and stimuli to further its own survival and to further the survival of the of the plague uh, species as a whole. They don't really work on a hive mind. They work as more really coordinated individuals because the coordination process is simple. Each one has a pre-programmed mission to aid in the survival of its species, and thus. Um, there are no miscommunications. There are no. There's no confusion with the plague life forms themselves into how to survive amongst themselves. There's no vying for personal power or authority or any of the other anxieties of, of intelligent life. So that's why it's strange when you deal with this as an intelligent species in the neighboring us in the solar system, maybe us on Earth, because. They are more like a super sophisticated and successful parasitical creature, but without the ability to cognizate or to think or to imagine. It just improves and uh, promotes itself throughout a, uh, throughout a situation. Uh, I keep thinking of this movie Crow's Blood, knowing the scenario or learning about the scenario, because this, this movie strangely came out with its hypersigil title, Crow's Blood, and it's about a uh, woman who becomes infected with this serum, with this infected black goo-type blood, released into high school in, um, in a far eastern country. This particular one was Japan, and, and you know, you can talk about the ethnic divide, but the, it's similar in Asian uh, ethnicity. And then through a series of socializing and... Um, and, can, and infecting it, her classmates, she changes the entire school over. She basically converts the entire school. She infects the entire school body. But the way she does it is through lesbian sex, is through drugs, and through uh, hedonism. What I know of the plague, what I know of the great enemy, is that when it infects certain people, uh, typically females, it will create 
a female um, persona after assimilating the bio- biology of that of that person and effectively killing that person and, and but using their body, converting their body into a member of the plague, will uh, cause that person to behave hypersexually. She'll retain her ability to understand language and she'll attain her ability to understand society. Uh, you know, she won't be stumbling around the street or causing uh, attention to herself. But she will be uh, attempting to become sexually active with every person she finds or every person she meets. I believe that because the plague was first found by America, by by the United States of America in the 70s, uh, I believe that it was originally found by the locals of the area of the Vietnam jungle, of the Indochina jungle. And I believe that the Japanese uh, were the first to find it. Uh, as a western modern nation as a nation that understood science as a nation that understood biological weaponry and the modernization and exploitation of the natural world uh, for the sake of war I believe the unit 731 uh, which was the top secret Japanese biological weapons laboratory I believe unit 731 has had samples of the plague had seen the plague in action had had understood from battle data and briefs and uh reports of uh scientists you know scientific bodies how 731 uh, how the plague uh, worked how it functioned and they created a bioweapon that was tailored to take out large populations in their pursuit of global conquest and in their desperation of, of losing world war ii I believe the logical target for this weaponry would be both the United States and I believe it would, it would be China. I believe it would be mainland China. I believe that they, you know, chose China as a political enemy, as a, a kind of spite, as a type of a war crime against humanity. But I also believe they chose it because they understood the Chinese psychology very well and they understood and had a lot of Chinese uh, prisoners to work with when it came to psychologically you know programming them or, or breaking them down understanding what motivated them and what's a unique thing about China especially mainland China especially uh, the mountain mountainous west uh, and the, the north and the center lands is that there's a huge lesbian population. There's a huge uh, homosexuality uh, trend and culture. It's homosexuality positive. And there's a huge lesbian culture. There's a huge uh, trend historically that these people promote and and favor same-sex female relationships um, in some capacity or another. You know, personally, it's not like an issue of shame, it's an issue of class, and it's an issue of uh, culture and tradition. I believe they were able to exploit that by creating a more refined parasite, a more refined plague parasite, putting that parasite into Chinese women, letting them assimilate the Chinese women, then dropping those Chinese women into central mainland communities. And those central mainland communities... Uh, would then have these women roaming around, um, you know, their neighborhoods, roaming around uh, the, the, you know, their 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 urban um, community areas, their their neighborhoods, their uh, ghettos, their apartments, and that they would uh, be uh, seducing and uh, you know very sexually aggressively pursuing uh, other women, other other men, and they would be able to spread more and more and more and more. Now, I believe 
this was how the initial transmission between people could have started. Um, that's how, you know, it could have been, it could have been played for that. It could have been the crow theory, which would happen naturally. It could have been, um, this intentional bioweapon de deployment by, uh, the United States with the research done by the 731 unit, um, the Japanese World War II endeavor. Um, it does seem like it was deployed, like it was specifically brought there. It didn't reach it through the natural ports of ingress. It was deliberately brought there securely, then released inside that central highland area. Another possibility is that they found a strain of the plague. They found a strain of this, this uh, parasite in the central region of China, um, Naturally, they found it domestically. Either it was infecting wilderness animals, infecting rat populations, infecting creatures that were had access to caverns or caves, such as bats. Uh, returning to the bat theory that was made ever so popular uh, was that the bats could have had access to it uh, and been infected through their travels inside caves and caverns because the plague is naturally subterranean. It's naturally an underground species. Um, it could have been a massive, uh, uh, you know, um, surfacing of many different populations across the globe for a number of circumstantial reasons, such as lava flow, lava activity, seismic activity, tectonic activity, uh, what have you, even maybe a natural spike in their, in their life cycle, but it could have been a you know, spontaneous, simultaneous uh, emergence of this plague worm, this plague parasite from their cavernous homes. Or it could have been spread through people who were originally infected in China and spread out, marked and tagged by one of the pharmaceutical bioweapons companies that operate in the area, such as the Wuhan lab itself. And this could have all been a gigantic test. This could have all been a massive uh, tracking uh, scheme to see how widespread the plague can get or how the responses of uh, uh, unaware uninitiated nations and peoples could react to such a grave threat or such a threat of existential uh, nature such as the plague you know in comparing to say the Orion Draco or the Astra High Command or uh, giant world ending um, super death comet or something uh, like a world killer we know that during this time there were a lot of protests in the Hong Kong area in Taiwan and there is a lot of anti-communist party sentiment. It could have been an act of terrorism. It could have been an act of, um, uh, of war from the Chinese police state to the world that was promoting anti-Chinese propaganda, um, releasing it in its own, uh, its own country upon its own population to uh, shift the guilt, to hide and obscure the, the guilt and responsibility of its own actions. Um, because it had no real sentiment or real favor for the world uh, at this time. It was rapidly becoming unpopular. Its power structure was, was uh, shaking to the core, uh, almost about to stumble over uh, due to the pressures of persecuted uh, minority interests such as Christians, such as Democratic Hong Konger uh, nationals, such as uh, independent Taiwan Republicans, um, even the Japanese and the Filipinos uh, think that they're a threat 
and there's been a lot of amassing for war on both sides, what better way to either uh, extinguish that that existential threat of war, uh, another world war, uh, this time World War Three over China and the uh, the other Pacific uh, economic powerhouses, but you know to become a hero or to become um, you know, to strike them with a covert dagger, with a with something that could paralyze and freeze their economies and uh, radically change their way of life because the Chinese were involved with the WHO, the WHO, the World Health Organization, and they're heavily involved with uh, the UN, and they're heavily involved now as political players. So they think globally. They think they think in scales of uh, global ramifications and and their position in the top tier of nations. Not only do they think militarily, but they think politically as well. And this would be the greatest hybrid of both politics and uh, warfare, as is their nation is a great hybrid of uh, military and police state and uh, human and, you know, Orion Draco interests, uh, because they both help out the Earth Alliance with resources and with manpower and with material and with uh, with uh, construction and with um, vessels of fabrication. But they also help out the Orion Draco as uh, double agents, you know, to impede the development, to impede the independence of the Earth Alliance. Um, the soldiers that were called in to control the, the, the plague outbreak to control the great enemy and once they had several hundred thousand, uh, you know, infected members of this community, of this city, but the city had a population of 11 million. So it was still a significantly small portion, a fraction of it, but, you know, it was spreading fast and it was difficult to disclose. So it was impossible to dis- to, uh, to contain or to even explain to the citizenry what was going on. They had to... Uh, draw at first from the crack team of uh, SWAT police and military commandos and uh, unorthodox city fighters um, you know their special forces their military advisors their uh, you know operations uh, operators and, and agents and to train and to um, to uh, pass on their experience from the protests of Hong Kong from the, their own civil demonstrations uh Democratic demonstration in 2014, especially, um, and to train them in how to suppress large amounts of uh, urban urban citizenry, or, or using the the terrain available, using weaponry that could both mask their movements, mask their uh, their numbers and their actions, while at the same time suppressing uh, a, a technologically limited foe, but that greatly outnumbered them. So this was able to, that was the cover story, and that was how they were able to uh, train soldiers without secret clearances in these methods, in this methodology, and, uh, without having to disclose, without having to explain to uh, to these lower-ranking enlisted personnel uh, that they would be going up against infected citizenry. The plague is unique in its infection process. Out of the many intelligent uh, vectors, uh, what you could call... Uh, life assimilators, uh, bio hazards to the extreme. The plague, when it infects a person, tries to keep that person as non-violent as possible for as long as possible inside that life cycle. It tries to communicate and to um, to socialize. It tries to, like I said, mate with its its other members of of a species because. 
what it's trying to do is spread its population, not defy its population, not uh, commit violence against it and be ostracized or be exiled. It wants to create an inclusiveness, um, an inclusivity. And so what the oddest thing is, is that they perform the daily duties that they are used to in repetition like a substance, a substanceless repetition. Uh, uh, there's no mental process behind it. They just perform repetitive actions that they're familiar with uh, automatically. And it was very strange because that was starting to become the test, that how they tested the Chinese citizenry is whether or not they went to work without the, you know, the the, the employment office being open. Um, they would try their thing on the doors trying to get in until the ship was over. And they they'd pray. Uh, repetitively all day and all night for going meals, for going sleep, for going uh, relief of uh, one's bodily functions. They would gather in rooms, uh, you know, during hours uh, together in groups like family groups, even though they may not be blood relatives, even though there may not be electricity, a TV, functioning water, uh, like running water, uh, a heating system, um, food. For example, there is no reason for them to gather in these groups, but they were like mimicries of their old lives, of their old life cycles. Um, they would do this uh, type of thing where they would sleep. They would, they would kind of, people who weren't homeless, people who had homes, had residences, people who had uh, capital and, and possessions would perform their daily routines out in the open. Um, their brains not being on, them working on instinct, them working on muscle memory. So they would perform uh, bathroom duties, for example, in parks or in st- on the street, or they perform um, eating or mating or uh, recreational uh, personal activities in public places like movie theaters or um, shopping centers. You know, banks, things that they had kind of understood to go to, things they had remembered they went to, but then also kind of uh, including actions that would normally seem taboo, that would normally seem very out of place and reserved for certain situations. Um, The soldiers that were sent to uh, exterminate or to quarantine or to capture whatever their mission of the day was, these infected uh, citizens donned the uniforms and hazard gear of medical personnel. They acted and drove in ambulances, they acted as ambulance and EMTs and first responders, they acted as firefighters, they acted as um, agents of the C- CDC, they acted as agents of Chinese Health Department and their their animal management, their farm management, they acted as these different government entities, they acted as these different government agents because that would allow them to maneuver and to gather intel and to uh, perform their operations you know and as a military presence without raising suspicion without allowing you know, the virus the, the 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 message to go uh, viral ironically and to uh, you know scare the world or to uh, to uh, concern the world to catch its its eye um, they executed people using uh, they executed infected animals and people with a type of toxin with a type of um, uh, spray that was popularized with the attempted assassination of uh, with the assassination uh, of Kim Jong Un's brother. Um, 
how he was attacked. It was targeted in the airport, and they sprayed him with a VX nerve agent and a perfume bottle, and that caused his death. They were doing that to infected and to um, infected citizens that tested positive for the plague. They'd go up to him as they were as acting as if they were testing them. Um, you know, they'd go up to him with the military entourage with the escort of police. And uh, if they tested positive through the, the thermometer, the forehead scan, that same device would release the chemical. That same device would spray them instantly in the face with a lethal dose of the VX agent. And they would just follow that person until that person died. And it would only take a matter of moments, sometimes under a minute at the maximum, just a few minutes. That person would fall unconscious and go into a coma, go into cardiac arrest, go into respiratory arrest. And they would basically wheel them off in an ambulance um, as an official victim of the virus, as an official victim of this infectious uh, disease. But in reality, they would be go sent to a military base to be worked on, the military bases would be disguised as hospitals, the military uh, 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 specialists and government agents, intelligence agents would be dressed like doctors, they would be uh, routinely dressed like surgeons, routinely dressed like um, citizenry wearing gas masks, and particularly the color red, and they became like a new de facto plague doctor. Wherever cases of infection were reported, you would see these members clad entirely in red. They ranged from young to old, male and woman. They ranged from the spectrum of different ethnicities and uh, spoken different dialects. But they were all agents of the Central Communist Chinese Party. And every single one of them acted like a commissar, ready to execute uh, anyone, ready to uh, perform lethal um, capital punishment or to uh, quarantine someone and send them uh, to the highest levels of uh, you know secure secure bases and research facilities and they reported only to the very top they reported only to the very top who themselves reported to uh, their superiors the Orion Draco and many of these were Orion Draco hybrids. Many of these agents were Orion Draco hybrids from birth, uh, raised with, as an MK Ultra super soldier, raised to as a uh, you know schizoid um, human robot, basically a narcissist uh, that that is uh, trained to kill and much worse. Um, one of the harshest things they did was. And this is this is kind of harshest with air quotes because um, the the human beings were infected with plague and their the lethality rate of the plague is is almost ninety nine point nine percent, almost one hundred percent. So anyone infected with the plague, no matter what the stage of their infection, they would be cremated if once they reached a certain stage of infection, once they began to lose uh, control of their bodily uh, functions, their limbs. Uh, basically, once they started to lose their personal responsibilities over themselves and they were becoming assimilated by the plague, the plague worms, uh, they would just be incinerated. They would be cremated. Really, there is not a necessity to keep everyone as a research uh, subject because the plague has been very well researched already. I, that's why I kind of am siding with the... This is a genetically improved and altered uh, version of the plague. This is a this is a lab-grown specimen of the plague uh, parasite because they were they were very uh, prepared and they were very um, 
they were very uh, willing to dispose of this as a resource, as a material, whereas you would think something this dangerous and this uh, insane, insanely infectious, would be captured and kept at all costs, regardless of the difficulty of containing, regardless of the difficulty of, uh, of storing uh, such a pathogen. But the preparation and destruction of these contaminated subjects were performed so so intensely that you could see the heat signatures from space, from orbiting um, thermal sensitive satellites, and the smoke from the bodies really did uh, create a fog around Wuhan. It created a dense uh, fog of ash and and smoke and charred uh, bone. Uh, cremated corpse and it blotted out the sun for several days um it was absolutely apocalyptic but at the same time that is the preparation that was ordered by the chinese scientists by the agents on the ground because it was the safest way to eliminate any kind of cross-contamination as well as to hide the bodies and hide the evidence of such a contamination to hide the the culpability i think of the chinese government or whatever powers were involved and responsible for uh the creation of this uh this plague this plague that assimilated and um you know converted the biomass of hundreds of thousands of uh, chinese citizens and many people across the world but mainly we're focusing with china here um the creatures when they were because the plague, as I said, engrows in intelligence the longer the infection exists. When the plague was realizing that it was being exterminated, when it was being hunted, when it was being um, challenged uh, by the Chinese uh, government, by the military, and it's not an intelligent creature, it doesn't understand factions or it doesn't have an intelligence itself, started becoming more bestial, started becoming more... Um, uh, aggressive and violent and powerful in its individual bioforms, morphing people into uh, saurian, reptilian uh, type creatures, morphing people into long, uh, tall, powerful, you know, sinuous juggernauts, and um, you know, exploiting them, their biomass for every ounce of uh, power and potential, uh, destructive potential that it could. This was the first time that the Chinese government, uh, that, I mean, this is the first time the Chinese government officially engaged the plague parasite on the ground. And uh, while, it suff- while it experienced some initial success in dealing with them and purging out rooms, uh, you know, going through building to building in these city fight scenarios, it quickly exhausted its, its, um, its edge, its element of surprise, and was basically... Uh, had to rely on its sheer force of troops, had to rely on a lot of its numbers, suffering a lot of casualties along the way, typically in friendly fire scenarios and typically in um, expendable type uh, troop scenarios where the danger is so close that entire uh, neighborhoods are leveled regardless of occupying forces or, or um, you know, troop presence. Because the forms were becoming more and more powerful, they were becoming more and more radically uh, divergent from the original sensible life forms that had been experienced uh, in, in simulation and in, um, in history. This was the first time in history that anyone who encountered a plague of uh, a war form as their battle form, um, they saw them as reptilian, they saw them as dinosaurian, they saw them as... Um, 
need this type of uh, uh, historical primitive creature, gigantic snakes, crocodiles, turtle-like creatures, uh, you know, flying forms. Typically, there is a great uh, divergence of physical capability. Um, there's always a large amount of uh, horror and uh, and uh, lunacy that goes into uh, these creations. They're very they, they induce a lot of madness, a lot of post-traumatic stress disorder. But researchers and analysts of the footage of these creatures that were recovered and destroyed or encountered cite that a majority of them appear to be replications of dinosaur forms previously found in China, previously discovered in Chinese archaeological sites, suggesting that the plague forms had were that old. They had survived from this era, from this uh, time, having uh, tapped into their trace history, the genetic history, and resuming, uh, re, re, uh, I guess you call it rejuvenating these forms, re, uh, resurrecting these forms for use in their survival attempt, in their attempt to, to combat the Chinese uh uh, communist party who was eliminating them who was exterminating them and there's infectious site uh, this had never been seen before and it's speculated that's because this particular version of the plague was that old was old enough to have incorporated and possessed um, dinosaurs was was old enough to incorporate and possessed uh, ancient reptilian civilizations and cultures um, and thus you know reverted back to what they what they thought was necessary what they what they felt was necessary in trying to survive this may have been because the plague that was given to these pharmaceutical companies was one that was already researched uh captured and encountered by the orion draco as that's uh, i guess i'll that'll be my last theory is that uh the orion draco had already experienced infections with the plague which they are known to have um, experienced. They have these constant subterranean um, uh, extermination efforts and campaigns against the plague. They had got this this version of this strain, this particular strain, and basically traded it or sold it to uh, the Chinese, and the Chinese uh, went rogue. You know, it's, it's which dragon do you want to serve? And it's just three heads of the same body. Uh, however, the Orion Draco created the circumstance. Ultimately, the Orion Draco did create the circumstance. They manipulated the circumstance. They exploited the desires of the Chinese uh, people uh, for whatever, however, and for whatever reason. But they created a scenario of destruction. They created a, a scenario of misery. Again, uh, creating and enforcing their archon-like grid over reality, their archon-like prison over reality, benefiting from the stranglehold they have on life and benefiting from their control they have over the human spirit, the astral realm. Um, this is entirely because of the Orion Draco. I believe that the plague outbreak in China was because of the Orion Draco. This has been Rumors of War 1987. Thank you again for taking this trip with me. Iron sharpens iron, and a friend sharpens a friend. I greatly appreciate your viewership. Please give me a like and subscribe. Uh, share this with your friends. Get them to like and subscribe as well. Uh, I appreciate every single subscription. I appreciate every single comment, so leave one below, and I'll get to you. God bless you all.